I hope that worship was really meaningful to you, man, it was to me, and we're getting ready to jump into a brand new talk in a brand new series, that last series called Unstoppable. I hope it was an encouragement to you. I hope it, um, I hope it just really kind of like helped you know who we are as a church and help you find some strength on your own. I'm going to pray and we're going to jump right into this message. Dear God, we thank you so much for this opportunity to jump into your word. We need you. We don't need me. We just need you. We need you to show us who you are. We need you to, to teach us from your word. We need you to inspire us and strengthen us and encourage us. We need more of you. So in these next moments, would you settle our hearts and our minds, clear our lives of distraction, help us to focus in on what you want for us, what you have for us in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We're talking about peace and what steals our peace. That's why this series is called Peace Thief. And every week over the next couple of weeks, we're going to jump into one of the biggest things that steals our peace. And this series was developed out of necessity because I have been wrestling with these things every week. Because these things for like the last month have been trying to come at me from every angle to steal my peace. And I'm feeling like I'm probably not alone. Like maybe you, in whatever part of this world, whatever context you find yourself in, maybe you two are wrestling with peace and a lack of it because things just kind of sweep into your life and steal it from you. It seems like no matter what you do, you just end your days with more anxiety and more fear and more confusion and the seeds of doubt and discord are sown everywhere, and peace is becoming harder and harder for you to find. And it's my prayer in this series that we can look at these peace thieves and just do battle with them, minimize them, or get them out of our lives altogether so that we can experience what Jesus has for us. It's in John chapter 10, 10, he draws the contrast. Jesus draws the contrast that will continue on in John 14 in another verse we're going to jump to. But in John 10, 10, Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. There's a thief, an enemy out there who wants to see your destruction, who wants to steal joy from you, who wants to steal life from you, wants to steal the good stuff from you. And I'm done letting him. Are you? And on the other hand, Jesus said, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. The contrast is stark. The thief wants to steal peace from you. Jesus wants to fill your heart with it. In John chapter 14, he's talking to his disciples soon before, in some of his last teaching before he goes to the cross and the garden and then to the cross. In some of his last teaching to his disciples, he says this in verse 27 of 14. He says, peace I leave with you. I'm going. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give like the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. The contrast. There it is again. Like here Jesus is saying, I give you peace. Not just any peace. I give you my peace. The peace I have in my heart. 
the peace that I walk with to the cross, the peace that held him there as they accused him, as they beat him, the peace that gave him the confidence of knowing what mission he was on and who he was, that peace is what he gives us. On the other hand, he says the, the world, it gives you garbage gifts. <laughs> I'm not a good gift giver. I stress out about gifts. I've gotten some really terrible gifts. But I've never given gifts the way this, seer, this, this system, that's what the world means in this passage. It means a system of thinking, the way of living around us. I'm not as bad a gift giver as the world is. Jesus is like, I give really good gifts. The world gives a bunch of broken stuff, dressed up in fancy wrapping. I got peace for you. The world's got a broken thing in a solid looking box. The world's got a bunch of tricks played out for you. It's a stark contrast. The world's got nothing for you. Just trick gifts, broken things that lead to more brokenness. It says, the system says, like you can be somebody by making yourself somebody. You, you can get more clout online and then you'll be important. And then you realize as you unwrap that gift that there's not enough clout. That your identity is shattered by one person that comes in and says some negative junk about you. The, the system says you got to climb over people to get to the top. And once you're at the top, you made it. You got enough money, you're going to be good. And then we realize that that gift is an empty gift. There's never enough money that can buy you happiness in your soul and peace in your heart. It's an empty gift. They give you broken things. They say invest everything into making yourself feel good and your relationships and passion. And then we realize that there's so much more to it than that. That doesn't leave us feeling whole. In fact, often it just leaves us feeling more alone. You see, the system wants to give you garbage gifts, but Jesus, he's got a good gift. He gives good gifts, full life and peace. But there's a bunch of thieves trying to steal your peace every week. And one of the biggest peace thieves is the words of other people. <laughs> this is the, the thief we kick the door open for. We don't just like try to fight it off or like no and Heisman trophy it away or throw it a stiff arm we don't like try to even avoid this one that much see when the words of others steal our peace we often just kick the door open because we care too much about what other people say we put too much weight in the words of others we have their volume turned way too far up in our lives and when we do that we give the power in our lives away to the people speaking words that hurt us. Just peace, thief, that I'm so sick of. I, I know what you're maybe thinking. I, I was thinking this as I built this message. I can't help it. Like, it, it does matter to me what people say to me. And on some level, you're probably there too, because we all care about what people say. If we didn't, you'd be walking around the grocery store breathing on everybody with dragon breath and with your hair sticking all sideways out the side of your head because you've let your hygiene go this morning as you were rushing out the door to do whatever you need to do and you just don't care what anybody says. I mean, on some level, we all care a little bit and we can't even, maybe we can't even help it. But what we can do is we can keep the volume where it's supposed to be on the voices in our life that are trying to speak either truth or lies to us, either encouragement 
or discouragement to us. We need to keep the volume right. I can't help it though. Sometimes I really care about what people say about me. And this is a thief that for my entire life I have wrestled with. I've, I've wrestled with, in fact, growing up, I, I had the church who, man, I was, I was a pastor's kid and I, I cared what people in church said about me and what they said about my parents. And so I wanted to act one way at church and then I got to school and I cared about what people said about me at school and I just wanted to act one way and it just was so confusing. Instead of sowing peace into my life, trying to please everybody and make them happy because their words mean too much to me, it almost ruined my spiritual journey with Christ. It left me depressed, discouraged, feeling alone and lost. And what you couldn't find in my life was peace. We've got to have the volume right on the voices in our, in our lives. Everybody cares a little bit. The problem is when we care too much. Are, are you, do you care too much about the words of others in your life? life. Because if you do, they're going to steal your peace. We turn the volume of the voices in our life up or down based on what we indulge. That, that's how, that's the lever, that's the meter, that's the handle we grab that turns the volume way up and amplifies the noise or it turns it way down and drops it to the background. So when we're indulging the words of others too much and how we feel about them, we're amping up their voice. Right now, you're indulging this sermon, guess what? You're amping up the voice of God in your life and you're turning down as you do it the voice of other people. Like We indulge things and that turns the volume in our lives up. Up and down we go. And the problem is the voices of others, they highlight our insecurities. They can make us doubt ourselves and the direction God has for us. They can make us question our purpose. The voices of others, they can cause us to feel insecure and little. They can hurt us. They can make us feel ashamed of our past. They can steal joy from us. They can keep us from realizing that God has a future for us. The voices of others, they always end up highlighting our insecurities. They always end up, they, they can end up just getting us stuck, the voices of others can become the point of attack for the thief to try to bring you down. Peter wrestled with this. I mean, in John chapter 18, you get the story of his most epic fail. Peter is a follower of Christ, one of his closest disciples, and in John chapter 18, you get the story of Jesus. He's at the high priest's court. He's been arrested. He's being beaten and flogged and questioned by the high priest. And there's a courtyard to where this is all happening. And Peter wants to get in there. It says this in verse 16, but Peter had to wait outside the door. So the other disciple who was known to the high priest came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. This, this is lost in the story so much. Peter wasn't the only disciple in the courtyard, yet he's the only one who epically failed three times in the courtyard, who denied Christ three times in the courtyard. 
Now, to be fair, this is one of the most intense moments in Scripture. If there was fear about the future, fear for his life, fear about what was going to happen to his friend, fear what was going to happen to his family, I mean, now was the moment where that's all just crashing down on Peter. It doesn't get more intense than this for Peter. And, and maybe you're not there yet, but you're dealing with some intense stuff. The pressure is cranked way up. And this is where Peter, his weak spot shows. And it's the point of attack for him to cause him to deny Jesus. You have another disciple there. This other disciple is watching, observing. They know who he was. He was friends with the high priest, or he's maybe not friends, but he was known by the high priest. They knew who he was. And Peter, on the other hand, as soon as the servant girl says, hey, aren't you one of his disciples? That could have been an innocent, curious question. Peter denies it. He goes in further, he stands by this fire pit where everybody's singing around and get, flashes back to Jesus and the high priest and tells a little bit of that story. And then it says in verse 25, Peter was still standing there warming himself by the fire. So they asked him, a bunch of people now asked him, you aren't alone, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? I wonder if they were just curious. I wonder if they were insinuating anything. I don't think they were going to attack him. After all, this other disciple's roaming around the courtyard, probably having conversations. He already is known to be one of Jesus' disciples. But Peter reads some intent in here, and he starts to react really rough to these words. He says, I'm not. One of the high priest servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him and said, didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. I mean, the words of others and the fears we associate them became the weak spot for Peter. And that's what led to his fall. See, there's the thing about when we have the volume of other people's words turned up too loud in our ears. The enemy will always use that weak spot to lean on us. He doesn't play fair. Like, if you care too much about what people say about you, guess what he's going to use to bring you down? What people say about you. If he wants to get at your insecurities, what's he going to use? What people say about you. The enemy will always use your weakest spot to highlight your insecurities and to bring you down. He will use your weakest spot to get in there and sow seeds of lie and doubt and discontent and discord to bring you down, to hold you back. That's what he'll do every time. If you care too much about what other people say about you, the enemy will always use the words of others to hold you back and to cut you down. The enemy will try to always use the words of others to keep you from experiencing the peace Jesus wants to give you. He'll use the words of others to keep you trapped. People roll into our lives in all different kinds of ways with these. I came up with some different kinds of people who intentionally or unintentionally use words that we struggle with to bring us down. You ready for this? If the shoe fits, wear it. But listen, hey, this is also a reminder. James 3 says that our words are powerful. And if you are a follower of Christ, you got to keep what you say in check. 
There's no reason for you to lose your filter and say whatever it is you're thinking in regards to anything without holding it up to the filter of what Christ has for you and how he's calling us to live. So, so just like James says, it's a rudder that can turn a whole ship, the words, the tongue. So where's your rudder turning your life? Towards the rocks, ready to hit the iceberg? Like, ready to do like... <laughs> Some Titanic stuff, or are you going to like turn towards life with what you say? It's like a bridle and a horse, a small piece that can control a whole animal. It's like a spark, James says, that can light a forest on fire. What you say matters, and guess what? If you're a follower of Christ, you need to be careful with how you speak to others because your words hold power and they can yield destruction. But, but here's some examples of people who I think, you know, come into our lives, we care too much about what they think, and they steal peace from us because of that. First is the uh, unfiltered Freddy. Now, I just came up with a bunch of names. If you're Fred and you're watching this, I'm not talking about you. These are fictional characters. Unfiltered Freddy, for whatever reason, pops into your life and feels like he can say whatever he wants. He's not thinking about what he says. He's not processing if it's going to be hurtful or not. He's not really looking at it from your perspective or caring at all about your perspective. Unfiltered Freddy pops into your life and just says what they want to say completely about them, only taking into account their perspective, their wants, their desires, their needs. They say it rude, they say it crude, and then they bolt. Unfiltered Freddy. What's crazy to me is if you ask any pastor, they'll tell you that when people are talking to them, people just lose their filter for some reason. Thankfully, our church isn't like that most of the time. Unfiltered Freddies pop into your life and they drop stuff on you and then they go and you're left questioning everything. They steal peace from you because what they, always, what they say usually has some sort of manipulative piece or has a dig attached to it. Unfiltered Freddies. You have the drive-by insinuators. Do you got any of, any of those? I didn't put a name by that one. Drive-by insinuators. They just speed on by make an insinuating comment, and then leave. You bump into some of these people at your reunions, maybe you jump, bump into them at work, maybe you have somebody that's related to you that ins- drops by and leaves these insinuating. See, they, they come by and they'll say something that insinuates you're doing it wrong. They'll insinuate that you messed things up. They'll say something that insinuates like you're not good enough. They'll, they'll insinuate with what they say and what they leave, your left, missing peace and questioning yourself. Frustrated. That's what they sow. You got Pesty Petunia. It's not even a name. Pesty, Pesty, Pesty Peter, Pesty, no, we, all right, forget it. Pesty Petunia, like they just pest and nag and nag and nag and nag. And you start off good, but eventually you're just worn down. It's unrelenting. You find yourself exhausted when you see their number pop up on your phone. Pesty people use words to wear you out. They don't sow peace into your life. They sow exhaustion. They don't leave you feeling energetic and uplifted. They leave you and, you, they leave you and you're left frustrated and tired and worn out, ready to shut it down. They don't sow peace. 
they steal it. You got caring and concerned Cornelius. This is just the person who jumps into your life. They're like, I'm, I'm so concerned about you. I care about you. I, I just want, what's going on? But really what they're concerned about is just being in on all the drama. See, they don't love you. They love the drama. Current concerned Cornelius pops in. They pretend they're concerned and they can't wait to share what they heard with everybody else. They catch you at moments where you're desperate to share what you're going through with somebody, where you're hurting. You do it. It just makes them feel good and that's what they're chasing. They don't really care about you. They slide out of your life and they share what you shared with them with others and the words kill you. You're not left feeling peaceful. You're left feeling betrayed. Like you trusted somebody. They didn't really help. They just went off running. You have accusatory Andy. Accusatory people, they always jump into your life and they want to point out everything you've done wrong. They point out everything, every failure you have. They're reminder-driven people. When you get in a fight, they want to remind you of the thing you did wrong six years ago that they forgave you for already. Accusatory people, they love pointing out all of your past and they want you to live in your past. They don't want you to get past it because then they don't have something to hold over your head anymore. Accusatory people, they keep bringing up the hurtful junk in your life. They won't let you forget it. They'll always be there to remind you. They leave and you don't feel more peace in your life. You feel like this big. You feel like you're not lovable, like you're not accepted, like you can't be forgiven, like you're a bad like your failures define you, like you'll never be free of your past. The critical carols, again, these are, I don't know any, like uh, critical people, um, they jump into your life and they point out every little thing that's misplaced. You could spend the entire day cleaning the house, they'll find the one spot you missed and they'll point it out to you. You could do everything right with your kids, they'll find the one little hiccup you had today with them and that's what they'll dwell on. Critical people are really good at finding the one wrong thing amidst the pile of really good stuff and they'll draw your attention to that one negative thing. And what they leave you with is feeling like you're never good enough like you're a failure as a parent, like you're a failure as a spouse, like you ne- you're a failure as a kid, like you'll never be good enough to please them, so you might as well not try or try to be a perfectionist. Critical people drive you down like that. They, they hold the one negative over your head. They leave you frustrated and feeling like you're not good enough instead of leave you feeling peace. The words of others... They can jump into our lives and steal peace from us, especially when we have the volume, their volume turned way too high. There's something incredible that happens with Peter. In Acts chapter 3 and 4, we get a whole different look at a renewed guy. I mean, his demeanor is different. His confidence is different. Everything is different about him. He's, he's being held and questioned by all of the religious leaders. Some pretty epic stuff had been done. And, and listen to this. He says, which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to him? You be the judge. 
As for we, us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen or heard. What is right in God's eyes? What's right? What's right? Some of y'all need to add this to your vocab. You need to make this a statement that you don't just write down in your journal or in your notes right now. You need to make this a statement that you tell some people this week. What's right? Lovingly, what's right? For me to listen to you or for me to listen to God? You, you tell me, but I, I got to tell you, I can't help it. I'm turning his volume way up and yours is going way down. I have to care more about what God says about me than what you say about me. I have to care more about what God says about me than what you insinuate about me. I have to care more what God says about me than what you accuse me of. I have to care more about what God says about me than the criticalness you drop on my lap every time you come by. I have to care more about what God says about me than your manipulative garbage. I gotta care more about what God says about me than your unfiltered comments. The volume's way down on the words of others and it's way up on God. This picture of Peter, it's impressive, right? You see, what had happened before this is the key. He had he had been hanging out in Acts chapter 3, and there, there was at this beautiful gate, and there was this lame guy, and to make a long story really, really short, he healed him. Through the power of Jesus, he healed this lame guy, and everybody starts converting to, to Christianity as he preaches the good news of who Jesus was and how to follow him. Every, like 5,000 people are like, yeah, I'm on the Jesus thing. Like, I give him my life. That's it. We're following Jesus. Meanwhile, the religious people are so upset because this happened on a Sabbath, right? Like, you're not supposed to heal on a Sabbath. You're not supposed to do anything on a Sabbath. So they're all, got all worked up and like mad or whatever. And they, they take Peter and John and they throw him in jail overnight because it was night when they arrested him. The next day they wake up, they start questioning him. And it says this in, in chapter, in verse 13, it says, when they saw the courage, Peter just starts preaching as they question him, just courageously sharing the truth. In the midst of a difficult situation. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. And they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. That's it. They had been with Jesus. That's what their courage came from. The confidence came from. See, Peter had gone on from that denying Jesus, and he had been seen him after Jesus had resurrected. They had breakfast on a beach. They went for a walk together. Jesus had reinstated Peter. Jesus' words were becoming loud in Peter's ear as he talked about him being a leader of the church, as he talked about sending him out and going into all nations to make disciples. Like the, the voice of Jesus in Peter's ear was now the loudest because he had been with him. And that's the key to getting the volume right in your life. The key to turning down the words of others and caring too much about them in your life and caring more about what Jesus says about you is spending time with Jesus. Just be with him. It's not flashy. It's not big. But the more time you spend with Jesus, the more his words start to sink deep into your soul. 
They had been with Jesus, and that had made all the difference in the world. One. Two, their strength was being found not in what they had could do, not some drastic life change in them. Their strength was being found in who Jesus was and what he was doing, in his spirit within them. When they asked him, how did this happen? Peter said, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that this man stands before you. It's by Jesus that I stand before you. It's by Jesus that this dude stands before you. You want to turn the volume down of the voices in your life that aren't giving you peace, that are just wearing you down, that are stealing your peace from you. Spend more time with Jesus. Get to know what he says about you, how he feels about you, what he's done for you. Spend more time with Jesus and lean on his strength, not your own. It's not about what you can do for you. It's about what he will do in you. So what he will do for you, it's about what he will do through you. And third, let your actions speak. You don't have to come back at the words of others with more words. Just let your actions speak. Peter's preaching this really amazing message, but you know what preaches it better than Peter? The lame guy who is now standing right next to him. It says that they wanted to arrest him again, Peter, but the guy was right there, so they couldn't. I mean, there's this whole crowd of people watching, and the guy who two days ago couldn't walk, he's standing right there. You know what's a better sermon than, than what I say on camera? How I live my life. You know what's a better sermon to all the people who will jump at you with their words and try to hold you back? Your actions. Let your actions speak for you, because when they speak for you and you're following Jesus, what they're really speaking to is God and what he's going to do through you. You know, people... They'll be quiet when you're not going anywhere. But as soon as you want to start moving forward, as soon as you go from addict to freedom, as soon as you go from drunk to sober, as soon as you go from trapped in shame and guilt to living in grace and freedom, as soon as you go from being broken to experiencing the healing of God. As soon as you go from being out of the game to in game, as soon as you go from being meaning, purposeless to living out the purpose God has for you, that's when the critics and the, the, the downers and the manipulators and the haters will all find their moment to say words that will try to hold you back and steal your peace. Turn the volume down on them. Turn it off. You don't need to listen to that junk anymore. I, I want to listen to the voice of God. He says you're loved, no matter who you are, no matter what you're like. Jesus said, I came so that you may be free. <laughs> For freedom's sake, he set us free, it says in Scripture. So I'm going to listen to that voice. He says he's close to the brokenhearted. I'm going to listen to that voice. He says he has a plan and a future for me. I'm going to listen to that voice. He says that he separates my sins as far as the east is from the west. I'm going to listen to that voice. I want to turn God's voice 
way up loud in my ears. He is the voice that will secure my future. He is the voice that settles my identity in Him. He is the voice that reminds me that nothing can separate me from His love. He is the voice that walks with me through the valley. He is the voice showing me a new path on a new day. He is the voice reminding me, don't quit, something better's coming. He is the voice that offers me the promise of His presence and the promise of a future with Him. He is the voice that says, my story doesn't end in hurt. My story doesn't end in shame. My story doesn't end in death. Crank up the voice of God in your life. Turn down the voice of the haters by spending time with Jesus and watch as he does a new work in you. He'll put courage where fear once reigned and he'll put peace where discord and doubt and disgrace once lived. Don't let the peace thief of the words of others, steal it from you anymore. Jesus came that you may have life and have it to the full. And he wants to give you his peace. Let's pray. Dear God, we need your peace. Some of us, we get the words of others cranked way too loud in our lives. They speak to us from our past. They speak to us from our present. They keep us from the future you have for us we got to care less about what people say and care more about what you say. It's not difficult. What was difficult, but how to get there is not difficult. How to get there is just about being like Peter and John. They had been with Jesus. we got to spend time with you. Your voice has to be louder than the voice of those who reject us. we got to spend time learning our identity from you, I pray that you would give us peace. That no matter what we hear from others that would hold us back or hurt us this week, that we would know what you say about us and that that would drown out everything else. In Jesus' name, amen.